0: Listen, let me jump in to this last uh, sermon on this, uh, this series I've entitled Living Like Jesus. You know, really in many ways, this is about what you believe about him. What do you believe about Jesus? It's a critical question because here's my contention. What you believe about him will determine how you live. And I'm going to explain to you why as we go today. The idea of believing is central to the Gospel of John. I'm just going to take a really brief minute here, but you know, John is a bit of a unique Gospel of the four. Um, in, in this instance, you know, the book defines Jesus in divine terms more clearly and more regularly than the other Gospels. Not that they don't, but John is big on this. They recognize it recognizes Jesus' divinity. It's just there. Um, and and, and it, through the whole book, if you read it, and I would encourage you to, to maybe read through it at some point or over a uh, number of days, but over and over and over again, we are presented with scenarios where people are deciding whether to believe in him. Um, there are people who do, although, no, although not many, people who really get him, people who understand who he is, like Mary, you know, of the Mary and Martha set. Uh, there are people who are confused about Jesus, all kinds of people that are confused, and then there are people who don't believe in him at all, just refuse, mostly the religious establishment of the day. And over and over again, you'll see scenarios where people say, well, he, yeah, we believe he's the Messiah, and then others say, no, he's not. So the question is, in John, as, as this book is being formed, what do we believe about this person named Jesus? And in part, I'm here today to ask you that question, what do you believe? Because in essence, what we believe will determine how we live. What we believe about Christ will determine whether we live like him. Now, John 13, the text we've been looking in for several weeks, is all about uh, this, this, uh, this, this example of Jesus that he gave in order to love people, to see their need, and to act. In this story, at the heart of it, is a, is a man named Peter. And we've mentioned this. But Peter, when it came his turn to have his feet washed by Jesus, he fought Jesus on it. No way you're washing my feet. Uh, You know, it's just not going to happen. This isn't right. And and I want you to hear what Jesus' response was to to Peter when he said these things. We're going to read this first verse, John 13, 7, from the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. See that word understand? That's really important. He's saying, Peter, you don't get it, but you're going to. You don't know or yet believe the things that I want you to know and believe. So hang in there. Then after Jesus washes feet, he's trying to explain it to his disciples, what he has done. And he says this in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. And then he goes ahead and tries to explain it. He tries to help them actually understand it. But you see, the reality is that they struggle to understand it. They don't quite get it, right? They really, there's something going on in their hearts and their minds that resists what's, what's happening. And Jesus is calling them toward understanding. And I want to suggest this morning that he's also calling us to understanding. Now, can I be so bold to suggest? We probably don't get it either, certainly not fully. We all need to grow in our understanding of this one named Jesus, understanding his thinking, understanding then how to live like him. And it's not always an easy thing. As a matter of fact, I would suggest it's a hard thing to actually come to, and it takes some years. But hopefully we can make a difference here. I talked last week about Jesus' thinking and his living as being radical. The more you understand that that's the reality, the more you recognize, like, oh, my goodness, He really wants me to live like that? The more you understand him, the more you believe in him, the more you believe in what he said so long ago. So we've got to recognize there's something going on in this man that's different. What his life was about, I'm just going to recap the sermons we've had. Number one was about knowing what God had created him to do and being willing to suffer and sacrifice in order to do it. We can do the same. Then the, the second sermon last week was very simply, the fact that he acted out of love for God and love for people. Nothing else. That's what was at Jesus' heart. This, these are the internal dynamics that drove the external reality. right? And, 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 and what the text is asking, I believe, what the Gospels are asking, and we often don't see it, it's, 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 not, it's not something that we grasp well enough, is that Jesus is asking us, to take these radical ideas, to make them our own, and to reorient our lives around them. And I'd really like to get you just to think for a minute, if you've been here over these last weeks, is that beginning to happen? Is that radical reorientation of life beginning to take place through this teaching, this example? Well, I hope so. Last in this series today, This is one more reason why Jesus did what he did. This is another internal dynamic which produced the external living, which we see in Jesus washing the disciples' feet and then, of course, going to the cross. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 again. I want you to note especially verse 3. That's where the the teaching is going to come from this morning. And notice the first word in verse 4 because it's important. Anyway, it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, Now, what is that verse or that word at the beginning of verse 4 that's so, so important? Well, it's the word so. So, based on what he's just said, what has been said in verse 3. So, because of, as a result of, he got up and he took off his outer clothing and he, and, and he put a, got a towel and he wrapped it around him and he began to wash feet. Whatever is being mentioned in verse 3 prompts him to do what he does in verse 4 and following. And what is that? Well, three things were told that Jesus knew. And I want you to note the word. Jesus knew, number one, that the Father had put all things under his um, power. Number one. Uh, you know, first, the NIV uh, it says it a little differently. The other says that God had given him all authority, but here it says that God had put all things under his power. Same thing. All things under his power. Secondly, um, the recognition that that. Um, uh, that he had come from God. Again, think about what did this mean to Jesus, which prompted him to act as he acted. He had come from God. And thirdly, that he was going to God. He was going back to God. So, he got up and he, and he served people. He loved them. Well, let's look at these one at a time and then figure out what they might mean for us. I want you to notice that the, he knew. Jesus understood some stuff. He knew to the depth of his being. He had conviction. Number one, that God had put all things under his power, that God had given him all authority. You see, what he recognizes is that God has exalted him. And God has given him this authority and power so that when he met various people on the way to the cross, such as the soldiers He knew that, who arrested him, he knew that they didn't have any incredible power, that he was incredibly and infinitely more powerful than they. might have appeared like it in the moment. And when he came to the Sanhedrin and the high priest who who accused and condemned and had him beaten. Jesus was well aware that this high priest, his power was nothing compared to his own. When it came actually to the uh, discussion with Pilate, the man who would ultimately condemn Jesus to death, even Pilate was nothing in terms of power compared to Jesus. See, Jesus' death would be by his own choice. Um, No one would make him do anything that he didn't want to do. Um, When it came to to washing feet, you know, usually it's the people who are in power who who have their feet washed by people who have no authority or power. These folks, those who serve, are the ones who end up doing that demeaning, if not humiliating, task. But you see, this is not how Jesus operated. This is not how he thought. This is not what he understood life was about. And in this instance, he chose to do what he did out of absolute love for these men, and probably women too. You see, he didn't care about this. He didn't care about being on top and, 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 and not being on the bottom. He knew he was on top. He knew he had power. He knew that he had been exalted. And he didn't care that people might look down on him and, and, and think less of him because he's washing feet, as others might have thought. He didn't need to prove who he was. He knew that he was the one who had been given all power and authority. Now the second thing that he knew, and again note the word, is that he had come from God. How would that impact him? (laughs) He knew he was God's son. He knew he was deeply loved by the Father. He knew that God treasured him. You know, Matthew chapter 3 at his baptism The father speaks and says, This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God told him who he was. And then Matthew 17, that moment when Jesus was transfigured and his glory was was displayed for the three disciples that he brought with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. You see, these three were shocked at what they saw. They were surprised. Jesus wasn't surprised when his glory was revealed. He knew that he had been glorified and he, he, he had this power and he had been exalted to this level. But there too, my friends, the same words are spoken by the Father. This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You see, Jesus, and I want you to hear this, he was secure in the knowledge of who he was in his relationship with God. Didn't matter what people thought about him at all. He didn't didn't have anything to prove to people about his value or his significance. And as a result, he was freed up to simply love people and to serve their needs by washing feet, by going to the cross. And then the third thing, Jesus knew that he was returning to God. What do you think about that? It's in his head. He's convinced of it. This is his understanding. I am going to go back to heaven. I am going to go back to God, and I'm going to be seated at the right hand of God Almighty, and I'm going to be enthroned in heaven. My goodness. And essentially, what, what he does as he gets to that place where he chooses to live his life, not for the present, not for the present moment, but for eternity. He doesn't live for the now. He lives for what is yet to come in a remarkable way. In both instances, I would suggest you washing of feet. He's teaching his people. He's loving them. We talked about this last week. And also in going to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's the way of Jesus. It's his understanding of life and of himself. See, I want to tell you, my friends, there is no pressing need in these instances for Jesus to elevate himself. No need. Not his concern. He has been elevated. He has been given significance. He has been given prominence. He has been given glory. And as a result, he is freed up to serve the needs of the people he is with. Whatever way that was required. There is nothing keeping him from being able to humble himself before others. You see, I want to suggest our identity. This is the identity of Jesus in relationship with God. So to our identity, um, it's caught up in our relationship with God. We are secure in this um, in the same way that Jesus was. Question essentially is, in our minds, talking about how we perceive ourselves, our understanding of ourselves, our knowing what we know about who we are. Question is, who are we? Was our identity? Who are you? And what is your identity? See, the reality is that uh, we're often not that secure in our relationship with God, such as Jesus was. The reality is that, that so often we look to others to, to recognize us and to elevate us in our own minds. That we, want to, we, we don't want to be seen taking the role of servant that others might look down upon us as we wash feet. That's too hard for us to contemplate. See, our compulsion, if you would, is, is to not do that kind of thing and, and to be seen in that light by others. And we do feel we need to prove our importance and our significance and our value, so we avoid that idea of serving as Jesus did, don't we? My friends, what we believe about ourselves and our relationship with God. I want you to hear this. What we believe about ourselves and our relationship with God, it will determine how we live our lives. Here's what God wants you to know, and I'm going to take it from these three points that I've described from Jesus' knowledge. It's not that God has given us all power (laughs) and all authority. That's only Jesus. But do you know that your friend... And your brother or a sister, or your brother, if you are a sister, <laughs> is the exalted and all-powerful one named Jesus? Do you know that you are connected to that one who has been glorified? You know, we don't get to, we, we even get to exercise his power, but you know the reality is that, that that even we, as we walk the path that God has chosen for us, potentially through sacrifice and suffering, potentially as other people you know, don't treat us particularly well. Whatever happens to us is all under the control of our Lord. He has allowed it. And we can embrace the role of servant, my friends. We can come to this place and we can, you know, we can do what Jesus said that we should do when he talked in Romans 6. The Roman soldier comes along and he asks for your shirt and He says, well, give him your coat as well. Well, we know the Roman soldier, he might appear to be powerful, but you know he's not that powerful. We're connected to the powerful one. We have that place with Jesus. We're we're his. And we can give our coats to the one who demands our shirts out of love as a result. My friends, I want you to know this, and I want you to hear it. As God said to Jesus, you... Or my beloved son in the old translation. You are the one whom I love. As we are connected with Christ, so we are loved by the Father. God deeply cares about us. God celebrates us. To us, we too are a treasure in the eyes of God. You know, we don't have to live to prove our importance to people. We don't have to live to kind of get on the upper tier and have other people serve us. Because we're there already in the mind of God potentially in our own mind as people who are valued and significant. And that will allow us, as it allowed Jesus, just to say, hey, how can I love? How can I live out my Father's will in this world? How can I love God as I love other people? Number one. Number two, in a way, we have come from God, not like Jesus, but you know what? God is our Creator. God is our Father. The Bible says, God knew us before the creation of the world. Just take a moment with that. God knew you before he created his world. You were in his mind. More than that, you were in his heart. That's how much he cares for you. That's how important you are to him. That in itself makes you special. You know, we looked uh, last week at Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are God's masterpiece. He has formed us. He has created us like a work of art to do good works, what he has prepared for us in advance, right? Um, We, too, can figure out our own version of washing feet, whatever it is that God calls us to, so that we can love God, so that we can serve God, so that we can do what God has created us to do, so that we can love other people in the way that God desires My friends, grasp who you are in Christ. Grasp how much God loves you, and it will change you. And point number three, we are returning to God, and in a very real sense, that's where we're headed. Do you know if you're in Christ, if you've come to faith in Jesus, um, that you will share the glory of Christ? I don't know whether we think about that often enough. Not our own glory, but we will stand by him, if you would. We are his people, and we will share in his glory. We will be glorified with him. We will be up here. (laughs) And people will look and go, oh my goodness. Look at who those people are. And I want to tell you, because of that, and as a result of that, we can live in the light of eternity. We can live (laughs) for the future, if you would, not just for now. Jesus is all about this. I I mentioned the verse from Hebrews because of the joy set before him, so he lived his life. So he endured the cross, the verse says. But he also says in Matthew, um, don't lay up your treasure on earth, lay it up in heaven. You hear the theme, live for then. Know what's coming. Understand who you are and live out that reality. Not simply in the light of this present moment. See, my friends, when we grasp who we are in Christ, when we know our identity based on our relationship with God, that we are precious and beloved children of God, that we, that we have been raised and honored by God, that, 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 we, that, that we can be secure in that. We can be confident in that. And out of that confidence and out of that security, we can just love people. Not needing to prove our value and our worth. Not needing to appear significant and valuable in the eyes of other people because we know we are secure and valuable in the eyes of god see the real question that's before us in this series is what's life about for you and what is life about for me and so often we think we're defined if you would remember identity we think we're defined by what we do you know, if we can get a hold of a position, well, I'm, I'm the pastor of IPC, you know, I'm a peer. <laughs> or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing the ladder at work and that gives me my identity. I'm important. I'm significant. Sometimes it's about how much we have. Well, look where I live or look at the car I drive. Look, everyone, look, the clothes I wear, clothing I wear. Whatever it might be, my friends, so often, so easily, we seek to elevate ourselves to prove our significance in life. Um, that 's not how Jesus lived uh, Jesus couldn 't care less about things. Are we agreed to that? Not what he pursued in life Jesus couldn 't care less about what people thought of him. You understand that right? he didn 't seek adulation from people. What Jesus cared about was his relationship with God. He knew who he was in his father and his relationship with God he understood who he was and he was secure in that and that just freed him up to be able to take any role that would allow him to do the father's will any role that would allow him to love people so he washed feet he did what his disciples refused to do because it would make them look bad i'm not going to leave the other disciples here and me serve down here that's the role that's disgusting that's the role for gentile slaves Jesus did, because he didn't care about what people thought. And then he went to the cross, because his p- passion was to do what his father wanted him to do, and to love you and me. You know, years and years ago, uh, as a young pastor, I came across a verse um, in Galatians. It's a verse that absolutely blew my mind. I mean, you know, I have those moments, it's like, wow. And God speaks. And I can literally see myself. I'm a visionary visionary person. I can see myself at that desk across the road and and down, right, in the old building. Um, And before I read the verse to you, I will tell you, um, although I wasn't aware of it at the time, I was living my life to gain the admiration of people. Put Chris up here. To gain the approval of people. To get people to think highly of me, right? Um, It was the primary driver of my life. I can probably say that with with great confidence. I'm not proud of it. But that's how i was living my life i needed that um, and in that context i read galatians chapter 1 verse 10 It says this am i now trying to win the approval of human beings or of god or am i trying to please people if i were still trying to please people i would not be a servant of christ And I looked at it and said, God, what is this scripture telling me? What are you telling me? I'm not a servant of Jesus? And the Lord pointed out to me in a very profound way, no, you're serving people and their opinion of you. You are living for their approval. You are living to prove your worth and your value and your significance in their eyes. And if you're living for them, you're not living for Christ. That was remarkable in me. And I think that began a long journey. I'm still on it. I'm still seeking knowledge and understanding and trying to figure this out too. But it began a long journey of me turning away from that and saying, Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm the child of the king and I'm deeply loved. And my brother is the powerful one. Christ himself. And I know where I'm going. And I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to lay up treasure in in heaven and so on and so on and so on. In other words, I don't need to do this anymore. I can take this role down here. It doesn't matter what people think of me because I know what you think of me. Let me bring some application to this uh, in a way that I hope is relevant for you. By asking as we um, re-engage church, that's a term I've given to it in staff meetings and so forth, as we ramp up, as we hopefully, God willing, Based on the COVID reality, as we start to do church in the way that's normal for us to do church again, um, why will you re engage? Like back of mind stuff. Why would you do that? What is the purpose of, of reconnecting and, 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 and the church kind of gaining vibrancy again? Will it be for your benefit? Will it, will it be for your sake, or will it be for God's sake? Let me make this in a, in a little more pointed way. As we come to church on a Sunday morning, as many of you have and others are watching at home, and you will in time, I pray, uh, come again. Why will you come on a Sunday morning? Why have you come this Sunday morning? I really want to press this point home. You got up this morning, and you said, let's go to church today. Let's go worship God. What's the purpose of you being here? Why? Is it because, oh, I want to go and have a good experience? I want to go and hopefully hear a good sermon? I want to go in and enjoy the band and sing with them? I, I really like that. It's good for me. It encourages my heart. Is that why you're here? I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. Uh, did, you, did you come here for your own benefit today? So that others might serve you? Hear this. IPC, worship does not exist for you. It doesn't. Never has and never will. Worship exists for God. Worship exists so that God's people might come into his presence and bless him. We serve him and his interests in worship. We come here to praise him. <laughs> we come here to hear his words so that we can go and obey him in faithfulness. Worship is for God. Of course, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that we have wired into our minds, you know, the church exists for me to serve my interests. This is so normal. It is natural to us. It is easy. And sometimes it's hard to really understand what it's about. My friends, I want to tell you, the next time you get up on a Sunday morning and you think about whether you should go to church or not, can I invite you to let thoughts such as these fill your mind? You know, I need to go for God's sake. I need to go and bless Him. I need to go and worship Him because He's worthy of my praise. I need to go for His sake. And then come. And pour your heart into worship as, we, as you sing and as we pray. And listen attentively for the voice of the Spirit that you might honor your God with your life as you go from this place. You hearing it? You understanding bottom line my friends is we we are invited and this is a i want to summarize this series we are invited not just to love other people occasionally or to serve in a particular way as a slice of life if you would well i'm going to do this or i'm going to do that i'm going to serve my neighbor i'm going to serve at work all these things we've talked about we are invited to reorient our lives around the fact that we exist for god we exist to serve him We exist to love God by loving people, not for ourselves. And we can do it, and this is, of course, the focus this morning, because of our identity in Jesus, because of who we know we are, because of what we understand about our relationship with him, just as Jesus did. Now, we're going to wind down, and we're going to give you opportunity to uh, write on the floor. If schedules work as they're supposed to, the carpet starts to go into tomorrow. And we've asked them to start here, so next Sunday, you know, hopefully it's carpeted and moved that way. Um, And as Jeff said, it's been suggested to us that we take time to do what we did in 2006. To write names of people on the floor that we would love to come to know Jesus and essentially, if you will do this, and I hope God has been giving you people's names to write. I hope God. I hope you have them on your mind anyway, and you pray for them anyway. But I hope, if if not, that even today you're here and you're sensing the Lord wants me to write such and such a person's name on the on the floor. What we're essentially saying is, um, I'm going to pray for this person, and I'm going to love this person, serve their needs, and when I have opportunity, I'm going to. Tell them about Jesus and what he means to me. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to be good to. I'm going to be focused upon in order that God's will might be done, in order that God's purposes might be filled, fulfilled, in order that God might be glorified. So Jeff and the band are going to lead us in a song. And uh, as that happens, we would just invite you to come and take these cleansed markers. You don't have to worry about them. We'll have someone when you bring the marker back to clean it off before it goes back in the bin. All right, Um, but just just do as God leads you to do. But you're essentially committing yourself to serve this person, to love this person into the kingdom of God. I want to tell you that is who we are. This is how we are to live. People like Jesus. living like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, knowing like Jesus, understanding like Jesus, that the will of God might be done. Let's rise to our feet. Let's sing this song and as you feel you're ready, please come and uh, write some names on the floor and then from this point forward, be praying, be loving, be serving until some more people know Jesus.